our reading this morning from the Gospel of John. We'll be reading from chapter 6, verses 22 through 29. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw that there had only been one boat there. They also saw that Jesus had not gotten into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. But some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Friends, this is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today is World Communion Sunday. It's a day that we celebrate every year around the beginning of October where we remember and give thanks for the global connection of this table. We remember on this day that Christians all over the world are practicing the sacrament with us, that they too come to the table for the bread and the cup. And as I was thinking about that this week, I found myself remembering the very first time that I ever was given the opportunity to help preside at the table. I was in seminary. It was for the church that I was working at when I was in school at SMU in in Dallas, and it was on Christmas Eve. It was on Christmas Eve because they were a little shorthanded, and there was a big church, and there was a lot of services, so of course they tapped the seminary kid to make sure that he can come in and relieve somebody for one of the services. And I, I just remember being so excited. I mean, so nervous too, but so excited. I mean, the first time I was going to get to preside over Holy Communion was going to be on Christmas Eve, and it was going to be a packed house. The service started. And I noticed a family on the very front row right there. I mean, like I can almost see them sitting there still. It was mom and dad, and they had about five boys that probably ranged in age from six to 15 or so. And one of the boys that was maybe towards the younger end of the scale, he just looked, he just looked so excited. I mean, you know those kids that you see on Christmas Eve? And they're so excited that it makes you more excited. Like they, they're giddy and, and they're just real fidgety. And, and you can tell that they're excited to be here, but they're also kind of ready to go home at the same time. And, and they have that twinkle in there. I mean, he was just, I, the grin on his face that I caught as I looked at him during the service. Well, because he was sitting on the left side and he was on the far end of the pew, I realized that he was going to be the person that I served communion to first. That he was on my side and he was going to be able to come up first. So fast forward, right? We bless the elements. We preside over the table, me and another pastor. And we're standing there ready and we issue the invitation for folks to come forward. And and I can see his mom, you know, telling him how to hold his hands, getting ready to receive the bread, whispering in his ear, probably telling him what to expect. 
And I have to preface this by saying, if you've been in the United Methodist Church for very long, then you know that with children who are younger than sixth grade, we typically don't say the normal language to them that we do with adults when we give them the bread and the cup, right? We say something to children like, Jesus loves you so much, instead of the body of Christ broken for you. Well, I was a little in the moment on Christmas Eve. And I, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, decided to go with the normal wording for this child. So he comes up with a grin on his face, right, his hands cupped, and I lean over and as tenderly as I can say it, I say, friend, this is the body of Christ broken for you. And that's when our relationship changed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden he looked at me like he wasn't very sure if he could trust me. And he began to pull his hands back, and he said, what? (laughs) And his mom was trying not to laugh. The pastor next to me was trying not to laugh. I was trying to figure out how to recover, right? So I looked at him, and I was like, Jesus loves you so much. And I just barely regained enough trust for him to take the bread and dip it into the cup. But I was reminded that day and you know this, right, if you've been around children, which I know all of you have, of just how present children are most of the time in the moment. How intentionally they listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. I mean, he heard me say that and he thought, what, what are we doing here? His body? Are you serious? Give it back to him. I don't want it. We eat people. I mean, there's no telling what was going through his head. But I think if we let it, that that moment can push us a little bit as followers of Jesus. It can let us ask the question of ourselves, do do we really understand what's happening here at this table when we come to practice this sacrament? Are we listening with the same intensity or do we find ourselves just going through the motions when we come to the bread and take of the cup? Do we really understand the significance of what we're doing as a body of believers and what we believe God is doing at this table for us? Do we really understand what is being extended to us by God when we come to this table? Those are some of the questions that I'm hoping we can at least reflect on this morning for World Communion Sunday. But before we get there, I want us to take another look at our scripture and make sure we understand how what Jesus is saying in this text from the Gospel of John can help us connect some of those dots and perhaps help us better understand this morning what God is really up to at this table here today. But let's start with the Scripture. Our Scripture starts off with the phrase, the next day the crowd, which should lead a good reader to ask the question, well, what happened? yesterday. Well, funny you should ask. Yesterday, Jesus performed two miracles, two miracles that I know you are familiar with. He fed a crowd of 5,000 people using just five loaves of bread and two fish, and then that evening Jesus walked on water. That's pretty much all of chapter 6 in the Gospel of John. And the first couple of verses is the narrator, John, letting us know just how confused the crowd is that was fed the previous day in 
this moment. Because the crowd who Jesus fed, they wake up, and Jesus all of a sudden isn't there anymore. Now, we know as the reader that the reason Jesus isn't there is because he walked on water, but, but the crowd doesn't know that. All they know is that when they were laying their heads down to sleep, they saw the disciples get into a boat, and they saw Jesus not get into that boat. And now they wake up the next day, and it seems like Jesus has somehow made his way across the sea. So the crowd finds a couple of boats in Tiberias, and they make their way across the sea into Capernaum, and they find Jesus, and they ask him the question, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus, how in the world did you get from our side of the sea to this side of the sea without a boat? And I love this because Jesus hears their question and sees it as a teaching moment, and he does nothing to answer the question that they ask, but instead gives them the answer that he thinks they need to hear. This is what he says. Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean when Jesus says to them, you aren't looking for me because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves? We did a sermon series on the Gospel of John a few months ago on the seven signs that are in this gospel, and so that's what Jesus is referring to, if you can think back to that series. These signs in the Gospel of John are healings and miracles that are signs to us as the reader showing us who Jesus is. For instance, the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on water that has just happened in this gospel, those are both considered to be signs. But the point of the signs is not really the miracle themselves, but instead to reveal to us who Jesus is and what Jesus has come to earth to do. So Jesus is saying to the crowd in this moment, Look, you're, you're following me for, for all of the wrong reasons. You're, you're completely missing the point. I'm trying to show you who I am. I'm trying to offer you something different, something that you've never seen before, something that I know that you desperately need, something that you couldn't earn for yourself that you're only going to find through me. But all you're thinking about is eating your fill again. Stop working for the food that perishes. Turn your efforts to that which is eternal, which is a really hard shift for the crowd to make. And if we're honest, it's a really hard shift for for us to make as well. Because in every area of our lives, we have to work for the food that perishes, don't we? I mean, we're trained that we get what we deserve. If you want something, then you need to work for it, right? And there are certainly plenty of things that we want. The bigger house, the new car, I want the new iPhone 14. Have y'all been seeing the commercials for that? Looks pretty cool, right? I want that. The big vacation, but I mean, it's deeper than that too, right? 
We, we want to be known. We want to feel purpose. We want to be happy. We want to feel forgiven. There are all these things in our life that we want, and, and it seems like everything around us is telling us, okay, if that's something that you want, then you need to work for it. And there are things that you can do, steps that you can take so that you're getting closer and closer to your goal, whatever those things are that you want. So it's with that mindset that I know that we can all relate to that the crowd responds to Jesus and says, Jesus, we're in. Say no more. This bread that never perishes, it sounds pretty amazing. We, we want that. We need that. What do we need to do so that we can, so that we can get it? That's the question that they ask him. What must we do to perform the works of God? In other words, Jesus, how many boxes do we need to check so that we can get this bread that is eternal? And I can almost picture them pulling out their notepads ready to write down their to-do list from Jesus so that they can get this bread that leads to eternal life. And at the same time, I can see Jesus start to shake his head and grin and just give them this response. Believe in me. Believe in me. We just read it. That's, that's verse 29. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. The only thing that you need to do for this bread that never perishes is to believe in me. Faith is the only box that you need to check. Jesus says this bread that never perishes, it's different. It's different from that bread of the world. It's different from the bread that you find in the market because it's a gift. It's a gift that you couldn't earn, and it's a gift that you're not asked to earn. It's a gift that you receive through faith in me. All you have to do is believe. And friends, I believe that's what we experience at this table. I think that's what we remember every time we come to this table, every time we practice this sacrament as a community of believers. We remember that what is waiting on us at this table is this bread that will never perish, the grace and the hope and the love of God. And thanks be to God, all of those things are a gift to us, something we couldn't earn despite our unworthiness. The only thing that is asked out of us in return is to believe. That's it. So every time we come to the table, we get a chance to profess our belief again and again that we believe who Jesus says he is, that we as a people of faith are willing to put our whole trust in his grace. And we recognize that the bread that we find at this table, this bread that never perishes, is what we need in life more than anything else. That without this gift of bread, without the grace that we believe we find in it, without that redemptive power that we know we find at the feet of Jesus, we recognize that we would be lost. And we give thanks again, friends, that this gift it has nothing to do with our worthiness. We're unworthy of grace. That's part of the gig. Jesus offers it to us anyway. Christ invites all of us to the table anyway, which means it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're working through a certain sin in your life. It doesn't matter if you've been in a relationship with Jesus for two hours or two days or 20 years. It, 
It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what labels you carry around with you in life. The only thing that matters at this table is that you believe, that you believe Jesus is who he says he is, and that you join your neighbor in saying yes to the grace. I think that's the power of this table. I think that's the power of communion, the grace that we receive. There was another service at that church. It was at 8.45 on Sunday mornings. It was in their chapel, which was a really small space, really similar to our chapel. It was a high church service with a lot of liturgy, and they practiced communion every single week. And it was a very small, small crowd that came to that service, but man, they were faithful. And no one hardly missed a Sunday. And I got to preach that service pretty often because there wasn't a regular pastor in there. It was more like a rotation of preachers. And I remember asking one of the regulars, one of the women in there that almost never missed a Sunday, I remember asking her what she loved the most about taking communion every week. And I could see the tears start to well up in her eyes, and she took a deep breath. And I could tell there were a million things in her head that she wanted to say, and she was trying to find the one that summed it up the best. And this is what she said. I love taking communion every week because it means I don't have to carry the junk from last week into this week. I think that's it, friends. When we take communion, it means that we don't have to carry the junk from last week into this week because of the grace, because of the gift that's given to us and the grace that we receive, a grace that leads to forgiveness, a grace that leads to renewal, a grace that leads to identity and to purpose, enabling us as a people of faith to leave the junk from last week and last week and move forward a forgiven people with cups overflowing, holding tight to that bread that never perishes. My hope for us this morning as we celebrate World Communion Sunday and and have a chance to come to the table is that we would listen as intently as a child on Christmas Eve, hearing with fresh ears the invitation for us to come forward and say yes to the grace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.